Good morning. My name is Angelina Carlton. I'm the founder of Legacy Planning, a boutique coaching and advisory firm based in Beverly Hills, California. Today, I have the pleasure of introducing Alex Brockman. He is a global strategist, board advisor, and executive coach. Alex has degrees from EBS, University out of Germany, Universidad ORT, based in Uruguay, as well as certificates from INSEAD in France, and Harvard Business School. He also does pro bono work for environmental protection causes and cancer research entities. Welcome, Alex. Thank you very much for having me, Angelina. It's great to be here. Wonderful. And did I leave anything out regarding your background? <laughs> um, I don't think so, no. That's totally fine. Okay, wonderful. It is a pleasure to converse with you on the subject of legacy. One of the things I mentioned is design is incredibly important, whether we're talking about interior design of class A office buildings or hospitality, uh, whether it's luxury hospitality and hotels around the world, really good design makes a difference. So why don't we apply it to our personal lives, to our legacies, to our business strategies, and you're the guy to talk to. One of those, yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. So, um, so I don't see you as a competitor at all. I see this as an amazing collaborative conversation and I'm very excited regarding what you're going to share today. Thank you very much. Okay, so um, I, I actually want to start out, in, um, compared to bringing up the topic of your book, I actually want to start out with the definition of strategy, because when I went to look up the word uh, on the internet, Wikipedia has got one definition, Webster's has another, and a lot of the times it, it is compared to war, military operations, but for you, in your business, when you're working with clients, whether they're uh, big name brands like blue chip companies or solo entrepreneurs trying to gain some traction, what does strategy mean to you or in what context do you use it with clients? I think your research is bringing up the issue of strategy as such. There is no clear definition of what strategy is. And you can just take a look around in your daily work. You will, you will already realize that the term strategy comes up here and there in completely different contexts with completely different meaning. Sometimes it's being used um, as a term because it just sounds cool, you know? Yes. Um, and it's, it's actually tactics that people talk about or they actually talk about goals, not really okay. about strategy or objectives. Okay. So if, if you want to just do some... Uh, <laughs> some ground research, ask five people what they think strategy is. And I promise you, you will not even get, you, you won't get answers that are even close Absolutely. To, to each other. So my definition of strategy in the context of building a, um, an impactful business, an intentional business um, is simply a strategy is your plan, how to reach a certain desired state of your business in the future. Okay. And that plan is not fixed. It needs to be adaptable to the changes in your environment. Um, competitors, clients, your own company, um, financial markets, things change around you, right? So your strategy is at any given moment, your best guess how you can reach your vision, your desired state of your company in two, three, maybe even five years down the road. And it's the set of priorities that you take a look at at any given moment. So when you start out with designing a new strategy, you might have three or four, maximum five, so-called strategic pillar projects okay. where 
all your activities are sorted into. And that immediately gives you incredible focus because everything else you don't do anymore. Yeah, Everything it, else is just a distraction of getting you to where you want to be. Yes, I think it brings incredible clarity. So I'm going to put you on the spot this moment. Can you provide for the listeners or the viewers one brand or solo entrepreneur that has a very clear strategy? Because you're right. If there is confusion, people just get lost. They have no idea what you're selling, what you're providing, what you want from them. Yeah, there are tons of companies that have great um, strategies in place that they talk about as well. Name um, one. And I'm pretty sure <laughs> just, take, just take the German um, premium car manufacturer Porsche. They have an incredibly uh, transparent strategy written on their website for everyone to take a look at and to get inspired. What makes okay. the strategy so great is that it has very specific goals and targets for okay. the next three, four years. Okay. And that they actually define the buckets, the, the priorities, where, where they want to focus on. Okay. And that gives you incredible focus and clarity because it means for the leadership population in the organization, if that's our strategy, I need to figure out now how my team and I best contribute. And um, you, you focus your time, your money, your energy, your passion, everything to reach to reaching those those targets and if you are clear as a company on your strategy this is the first and most important step of aligning your leadership population and, and eventually everyone that works in the organization around that goal and helping them understand how to contribute yes and i think it is amazing because when there is that clarity it will unite a group of people so there's not going to be you know that that sense of what i might call herding cats yeah Yes. Exactly. Yes. So I think one of the amazing aspects I'm going to bring up your book right now is that you're bringing this knowledge that you've learned from uh, working as a global advisor and a global consultant in, with, um, you know, with huge teams, huge companies, and you're bringing it to the solopreneur that might not have that access to that education, to that guidance, so that their blind spots are covered. So would you say that's a bit of what your book covers? Because I've yet to read your book. Yeah, everyone has yet to read the book. It will come out early 2022. The book is written. It's done. It's ready. Okay. Okay. Currently in the in the in a refinement phase. Okay. Um, so yes, that is absolutely what the book does. So based on the past 15 years in this, in strategy, I took the the best concepts that I've that I've seen work very well in reality. I'm not talking about scientific theory or, or academic okay. frameworks here. I'm I'm talking about hands-on tools and processes that really deliver results. And I took these and I, and, I, and I took a look at what else is around there and what my own experience is and put everything into a cohesive framework that I call the nine elements of organizational identity. Okay. And the core process of bringing those nine elements to life is your strategy process. And I define it actually step-by-step. Step. How does each step look like? What is it that you want to achieve? How do you achieve it? And how do you actually go about it? I even give facilitation tips in the book on how you can help your team get their head around um, the topic of strategy and yes. all the other nine elements around that. And these are things like, what, what's, what's the purpose of our, our company? Of What's the purpose of being a company? And what is the impact that we want to see um, in the world 
based on the unique skills that we have. So how can we contribute solving an issue out there that is larger than just money, right? Yes, yes. That's one of those elements. Another element um, I touch is everything around um, values. Values are awesome. We see them everywhere, but most companies stop at defining them and don't really follow through on bringing them to life. How do you connect? <laughs> how, do you con- how do you connect your values, right, to, well, to your purpose? Sure, absolutely. I think it's because it's a little bit hard when uh, what is that expression when when the the rubber hits the road? Because uh, if the shareholders are motivated by profit and you bring up values, doing the right thing or the good thing, if it's not the profitable thing, now there's yes, and I and I that's just, exactly the point. That's what yeah, this and, book is all about. Good, good. And I just wanted to highlight for a moment that if every solopreneur had access to their own Deloitte & Touche, their own McKinsey & Company, their own consultant firm, how much further their business would be. So in a sense, you're leveraging your knowledge through this book so that anybody that reads it then can have those tools and that clarity, uh, whether it's like step one, step three, step five, um, and so forth. Okay. Any other thoughts regarding um, where entrepreneurs can get lost? Because there is quite a difference between someone who is here that doesn't necessarily have that years of experience as a consultant to know what, why brands survive or why certain brands don't survive. You already brought up one of the biggest issues that um, leaders and solopreneurs and entrepreneurs have to deal with on a day-to-day basis, the struggle between doing good and doing well. Okay. Being, being profitable and doing the right thing. And let's be frank, you can be very, very profitable and being a complete asshole to everyone else <laughs> around you. It's just, I see it every day. I see yeah. it every day. People that go through the world with their elbows out and hitting everyone in the face that is not out of their sight by the count of three. And if if it comes to running large corporations, you actually do have an obligation to think beyond profit. The age of the stakeholder has come, not the shareholder. Shareholder capitalism is dead. Mm. Only only those who have not understood that they don't operate in isolation. um, And if they're motivated by money, well, so be it. But okay. if you at the same time, if you make a lot of money and at the same time screw the planet and screw people, then screw you. People will not want to work for you anymore in the future. And COVID-19 and the, the whole pandemic has, has showed that more than ever before. People are not, are not willing to accept what you want from them anymore without asking questions. And it's, it's also us as consumers. We've been never been better educated about our consu- consumer decisions than mm-hmm. today. We ask questions we want to know whether a brand or a company is in line with our own personal values and if not i stop buying your products it's as simple as that so that's why i brought up the topic of values it's so important to help a company take a stand when when it counts well i think the leadership does make a difference and if they could be proactive about that compared to waiting for their customer to come forward who's now researching every aspect of who they are what they do their supply chain yes i'm aware even in the luxury industry when it comes to data rights, customers want to know who's profiting off of them, how their data is being uh, scrubbed and so on and so forth. So the, I think yeah. today's yeah. Uh, consumers much more well-educated if they choose to research and, and be proactive. So you're right. I think the leadership does. 
Um, I did. Let me let me bring this up then, <laughs> spur of the moment. He said that many of the leaders can be assholes. So some some CEOs um, have made it to where they're at as titans of industry because they have elbowed other people and what I might call narcissistic sociopath behavior. What do you say? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just reality, right? We okay. have those people around everywhere. But um, the thing is, especially when it comes to large corporations, it doesn't stop with the CEO. There's a board of directors above those people. And the board of directors has the longer term benefit of the company um, front and center, not the CEO pay, okay. which typically is, or very often still is just related to um, the next quarterly uh, gains, right? So okay. if you have a board of directors that has the long-term development and the long-term contribution of a company in mind, then the odds are that narcissistic behavior and mis misbehavior um, is not being tolerated. The more transparent a company becomes when they are publicly listed, for example, the less this kind of behavior is sustainable. And if you run a company like that, you drive the best talent out the door. People, are, especially the younger generations, we are not willing to accept this anymore. It's, it's one of the reasons I walked away from working for a management consultancy as an employee. Because there is just toxic work environment. 60, 70 plus hours a week, no one cares about your uh, function. You are a cock in, a, in, a, in, a, in an engine. And as long as you deliver and perform, that's great. Right. So that kind of leadership is not accepted anymore. And you see, um, just if you take a look around um, every day in the news, you see um, leaders that climb very high um, and then fall because of their misbehaviors. Yeah. What goes around comes around, right? Yeah. So what I'm seeing is that you're equipping then more entrepreneurs with the education so that they can have that competitive edge because without that knowledge of knowing how to build out their, what I might call their strategic battle plans in business, they don't, they don't have, have that cutting edge. Yes. Okay. So as you exactly. are, the, good, good, good. So as you are the consultant that drives up in your motorcycle, you pair strategy with legacy. <laughs> so purpose and profit are aligned. What does intentional strategy mean to you? Like intentional strategy. It means that you, first of all, have a strategy in place. You would be amazed how many companies and entrepreneurs I have met that have a strategy, or, or at least what they call a strategy, somewhere in their head, a okay. fuzzy idea, maybe okay. a dream about the future, but okay. it's not written down anywhere. It's not crystallized. It's not clear. It's not linked to um, their reality, to their clients, to the unique value that they deliver to their clients. So first of all, intentional means writing it down, mm, being okay. crystal clear okay. on what you want to achieve and how you think you might get there. Okay. And then the second part of the intentionality is to be totally clear about how you make money and how you impact others on the way. Okay. And um, there are companies that have a negative impact on others on the way because of how they treat their employees, because of how they um, let um, other subcontractors exploit their people somewhere in the supply chain um, or because they dump huge loads of sewage into our rivers or oceans um, or produce microplastic um, and put it into their products being swamped into the ocean. Right. You name it. So 
It's about being more intentional about how you run your business, about understanding the negative consequences of your actions and then being clear on how you can change that. Just because you've done it in the past does not mean you need to continue doing it. And this then brings you on a path of realizing that you can run a business for profit without screwing everything and everyone around you. It means that you need to- And taking those shortcuts. Yeah, exactly. So a, a, a bit less of I and now for a bit more of we and then okay. is generally speaking a very good approach. So if you have in mind a sentence like, I want to do well while also doing the right thing, mm-hmm. then you're on a good uh, trajectory. Because what you then do is you don't ask yourself, how can I reach the ultimate goal of making money? You ask yourself, how can I reach the ultimate goal of building a legacy? Something that I can be proud of when I look back. Um, I I, I had a great life and I did the right thing on the way, handing over to the next generation um, a little bit of wealth in my family, but I know it did not come at the cost of the environment, at at the cost of other people that worked for us. Yes. Stepping on other people's backs. Yes. Or exploiting nature. Yes. I know that you definitely have a heart for environmental causes. And and I think that's a beautiful thing. And that will be also a part of your personal legacy, which we will touch upon in a moment. Yes. Okay. Well, good for you. So you're definitely empowering um, entrepreneurs to to step forward so that I would almost say that then change will be driven from the bottom up or possibly from the top down. I would say so. Yeah. Okay. If more of the shareholders and so forth would read your book uh, or be willing to voice their, their own personal values more than the returns that they're getting. I think there are three levers that we t- need to take a look at. We need to take a look at what the, do the large corporations of this world do. You have to imagine that um, the top 100, the, the 100 biggest employers mm-hmm. in the world need to imagine how many people around the world are working for them. It's absolutely insane how many people work for the top 100 companies. Their power, if those top 100 would try and do better and do the right thing, the ripple effect would be immense because they're touching so many people in their supply chain, people that work for them and the consumers, us that buy their products. Okay. So that's kind of a a top-down approach if you want. Take the biggest ones and help them move the needle. Um, A bottom-up approach is when you take a look at all those entrepreneurs that see an opportunity to do things in a better way and then start a business Mm -hmm. that helps us um, reduce waste, that helps us help help us live more consciously. That's kind of a bottom-up. And because we are fast, entrepreneurs are fast. We see an opportunity, we go for it. Those huge companies... They are freaking super tankers. It takes a while to move the needle there, right? Yes, they're and slow. And then the third element, the third lever that we have is everyone has the opportunity to invest in the stock market. So put your money to those courses that you believe in. Don't give your money to those companies that bring the best, the highest profit. Give your money to those companies that you believe in. They, okay. make, they make maybe a little less profit right now, but okay. if they do the right thing, it will pay off in the long run. And you support those companies I mean, we're talking about impact investing here. Yes. And, and, and that, that's the third lever every one of us can use. Buy the products of the big companies you believe in, invest in those companies you believe in, and be sure that by consuming and by um, spending your time building a business, that you also 
make an informed decision about what's the right thing. Okay, very good, very good. So let's say that, and I'm just going to put you on the spot one more time again. Let's say there's an entrepreneur that comes to you and they've got a great vision and they would like your help. What is one thing that you would want them to know that could empower them? Or you can use maybe a, a case study and you could maybe omit the name of the client or, or whatever you'd like. I think the most, important, the most important piece in bringing a vision to life is making it measurable. Okay. Um, we are talking so much about fancy things. We're talking about shifting a vision. You need dreams that, that fuel your fire, right? Okay. And then you also need to know how to bring those dreams to life. And there it becomes difficult for many people because yes. they just operate their businesses based on gut feeling, based on maybe even rationalizing around their decisions that they did in the past because it's hard to accept that you might have screwed up or, at least a part. Right. Or I might add finding the right guide to help them through the forest, the metaphorical forest yes. to say, watch out for the poison ivy and watch out for exactly. those rocks over there. Yes. Exactly. So what you really want to do is take your vision, identify the four, five, six key elements in that vision that you that really matter, and then put a success indicator on them okay. in, in order to know that you are moving the needle. If you write down a vision, it's typically two, three, five years out. Mm -hmm. So what do you do afterwards? How do you actually bring this to life? So you need to reverse engineer from your goal the actions that you need in order to get there. Okay. And in order to move the needle over a certain period of time, it takes some, it, it just takes time. You, you can't just write down a vision and then go back to work, hustle and bustle for, for another two or three years and okay. then ask yourself, did I actually reach my vision? Yes, no, that's not how it works. You okay. need to be able to have those three, four check-ins per year with yourself and your business and, and your strategy and your vision and be like, Am I moving the needle? Is have, there other have, things that I see that are moving into the right direction? Yeah. And, and having those honest conversations. What do you think stops many entrepreneurs? Because you've, uh, you've, you've taken legacy and you've also brought it to a bigger picture that it's also our legacy. So what do you think are some of the things that slow an entrepreneur down? First of all, not having a clear vision and not having okay. a clear idea on how to reach it. So okay. just the, the typical entrepreneur that I mentioned earlier that has a fuzzy idea of, of where to invest in. Okay. And um, I know how hard it is. I mean, I've been running businesses my, uh, for the better part of my life. And I know how hard it is to detach yourself from the operations from the day to day, especially when you're on the front lines working with clients every day okay. and, and take this step back and asking yourself, are we moving in the right direction? We're probably making the right direction towards the vision and the legacy that we want to achieve. So money is not the only um, success indicator. You need to see that you're moving towards those elements that are important for you in your vision. Yeah, I, I always say uh, it's not the money that you have, it's what you do with that money. Of course. That, that, that takes a little extra imagination. Yeah, and I'd yeah. like to do a plug for coaching here. Yes. I think also that a coach can help keep that entrepreneur accountable when um, they become overwhelmed because it's one thing to be um, in the play and it's another thing to be in the audience. And it's hard Absolutely. to wear both hats at the same time. And so if you're in the day-to-day -day operations, it's hard to pull back and to see the landscape. And I think that's where great coaches and consultants and advisors come in 
because they can read the baseline and blind spots that you as an entrepreneur might not see. And I can, I can easily come into an organization, talk to the CEO and be like, guy, that is not cool. You're not doing the right thing here. You're, doing, yeah. you're going for the easy way out. And I can, I can challenge those people in a completely different way because they can't fire me. I'm not an employee. I'm not, I'm not dependent on them. That's yeah. why they bring me in. That's why they, they want to hear the honest truth because very often the further up you are in the chain, um, the less people dare to speak out and to, to raise their voices. Unfortunately, that's the case. So right. advisors and coaches can help you, first of all, uncover whether you're on the right track or not. It's not that they tell you, it's that the questions that they ask you so that you find out yourself, Right. Um, that they help you understand whether you're going for the ambitious goal or for the low-hanging fruit. And it's, it's something completely differently, talking to a company owner, whether it's a large or a smaller organization, from a perspective of, from a perspective of legacy and what they want to be known for. Right. Um, and talking to them, on the other hand, um, about their next paycheck. And you will, you will realize that even the most, um, e even those people that were brought up in those large organizations and that, that were kind of brainwashed over the years about maximizing profit and, and cashing in on, on big bonus checks, <laughs> even, even they realize that this is only one a part of the coin you need to take a look at the other side of the medal as well and real and they and especially if they have kids they know um whether what they're doing is the right thing or not because i i always ask them one question what would your kids say if they saw you lead this company every day would they be proud of you oh that's good and that hurts yeah Very often it hurts because yeah. they know deep down they know when they do the right thing and when they don't right people know right. Yes, and they do. And, and, and kudos to you for asking what, what are called those good, powerful questions. Yeah, and that can make people squirm. But um, as you probably know, the magic of coaching happens in between conversations. Yes, and humans can oftentimes be hardwired to want familiarity, but just because we're hardwired to want it doesn't mean that it's the best for us because we know that humans are happier when they're growing like plants, right? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I can't... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> the number of uh, uh, executives that I've had the opportunity to coach that are at organizations and they're surrounded by associates that are just waiting for that retirement package and they're quietly just going along. Yeah. And it's when uh, they're afraid to grow because that fear then takes precedent. Yeah. So even though, and I'll go on to the next question in a moment. So even though that growth is exponentially rewarding, spiritually for the long run for generations to come inner peace all of those different facets that uh fear of uh even the fear of admitting that somebody might be wrong they made the you know a mistake whatever whatnot and i'm not necessarily talking about saving face i'm just saying that um yeah that that can uh bind them and 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 then the days and the years go by until they can you know have that coach ask that right powerful question you know, there's always a reason why someone finds themselves in a situation that they think they can't escape anymore. And that can be that they have invested all their life into a certain career that right. they always thought they wanted. And then 10 years, 15 years into the career, they realize, oh my God, that sucks. <laughs> I spent my days every, every week, every month 
with people and with topics that I don't care about anymore. Yeah, yeah. They But they case. have this big house. They have the kids in private schools. They have their social standing in their community. And they are just afraid of letting go of that golden cage around them. Yeah. And sometimes it's, it's even more difficult for them because they can look through They, can, they, they sit inside that cage, but they see what's going on around them. They see how other people take the leap and they fear that leap because they don't know um, whether it's growth that comes with it or whether it's um, a decline that comes with it. And even if it's just a decline in how people take a look at you, whether people judge and so yeah. on. So it's first of all, making yourself free of what other people think about you. Yeah, yeah. Well, those tests aren't always uh, fun. Nope. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. Very good. Very good. Okay. So, um, so some of your values include being a humble learner, um, eye-level partnerships, as well as grit. Is there a story behind any of these values of why they're why they are important to you, or if there was someone who modeled it well? Ooh. There are, there is a story behind every one of those values. Um, of course, they, they, those are things that are important to me. That hence, they, they are valuable to me, hence the term values, right? Okay. So when, when it comes to eye-level partnerships, both as an employee and as a service provider, I have seen what it does to people if you treat them respectfully and on eye-level. And it doesn't matter whether it's the CEO or a frontline employee that you interview in the course of a larger strategy program, for example. Okay. If they have the feeling that you're really there to listen to them and you don't judge them, okay. all of a sudden they open up. They are, you build trust. Eye-level partnerships is the absolute basis of trust. I'm no, in no way better than anyone else. And I have experienced the exact opposite being on the receiving end of people feeling entitled and thinking they are better than you are. Mm. I know exactly how that feels okay. if you're on the receiving end of that. And as they say, people don't remember what you, and that's why I love partnerships are so important to me because I don't walk, want to walk around and make people feel like shit and remember me like someone that um, talked down to them or made them feel worthless or anything like that. Right. So that's the story behind this value. The okay. value, the, the, um, the story behind. Um, so can I interrupt you for a second? So it's almost, course. so it's almost that you know how to hold your dignity when somebody else is trying to make you feel tiny and therefore you don't want to put that on anybody else. Yes. And you need to know that you can stand behind that value. Even when someone talks down to you, yeah. you just, you can walk away. You don't have to let this happen. Yeah. And you can tell someone how they make you feel but you need to be clear on that value first otherwise um, you feel insecure in those moments and you would not know whether you should speak up or not yeah yeah and I just want to um, highlight for a moment before you move on to the next value that I think that that you've developed the muscle of what I might call your inner landscape mm -hmm. yeah yeah um, so that if somebody does negative mirroring back to you it doesn't get absorbed within your identity. Absolutely. Yeah. 
Okay. All right. So, so the I-Level partnerships and the grit. So you're definitely a hard worker, even though you listen to these podcasts in your bathtub, I read. Yeah, totally. I mean, there is, you need to take your time to smell the flowers. I never yes. understood. So I'm, I'm German. Um, in Germany, we have a lot of labor laws that protect employees. So first of all, we have a minimum, um, a, a legal minimum of days of vacation that you need to give your employees, which is somewhere around 20 or 23 days. And most, most companies even provide more. So it's totally normal that you have like five, six, seven weeks of vacation a year. And people would take those vacations for two or three weeks in a row. And when I started to work more with North America many years ago, I realized that people never take two weeks off or three weeks even. People would see that as totally weird. And right. um, especially when you work in an international company where um, in Europe, it's totally normal. And um, okay. in, in, in the US, it's not. You're like, okay. what's going on here? And the more I, I mean, I now live in North America. I'm totally immersed into that culture. And, and I don't understand this grind. People never take their time to smell the flowers. They just empty their batteries on an ongoing basis and fill them up like to a quarter and maybe half. And then they get dra uh, drained again. And it's, I never understood that grind. I really take the time to smell, uh, to smell the flowers. It's super important for me because it helps me to learn, to grow, right. to show up with my best self. I mean, I, I live in Vancouver and I work with a nine hour time zone difference for my European clients. That means I show up at 6 a.m. Um, if, if you had told me that several years ago, I would have been like, go away. I'd rather work late at night than early in the morning. But having this, this discipline, just hop on your motorcycle and ride for an hour to get some throttle therapy, this is just what it needs in order to show up for your clients and your family right. and, and be the best possible version of yourself. I mean, I have, I have a 20-month-old child. Okay. I want to I wanna not just tell him what I think makes a good person. I want to raise him by example and show him that it's important that he takes time off for himself. Yeah, without and your modeling. parents, without friends, without any distraction. And I need to model it. Otherwise, it's just, yeah, dad. And, and I'm not do what I do. I, I said, do what I say, right? That just doesn't work for me. Right, right. Yes. Well, kudos to you for modeling it. Um, and before we move to your personal legacy, is there any other uh, tools you would want to share with the viewer or the listener as it relates to what you've learned from your professional experiences that might be a sneak peek into your book. And your book is titled The Nine Elements of Organizational Identity. But yes, what, what might be any other insights you might want to share? There is tons of free stuff available on my website. Um, articles that I write about the topics of strategy, about legacy, about those things. There, there are toolkits and checklists for free on my website. So there's, you don't have to wait for the book um, in order to start connecting with um, some tools that help you get your head around those okay. topics. So just go to my website, alexastrategist.com. There's tons of free resources there. Just start digging find what helps you download the toolkit. It's a 20 page document. It's a work package in the end that helps you really write down your vision, make it measurable, define the strategic buckets you want to focus on in order to work toward the future that you want to have. Wonderful. And um, how would you define, before we move on to your personal legacy, how would you define 
diamond values? Because that was a phrase that you've used. Yeah, it's it's a core element in my in my book. One of those nine elements is values okay. and um, how you bring them to life. And I talk about different levels of values in that context. And for me, diamond values, and I call them diamond values because they are like diamonds. They are really, really hard to alter. A diamond, to, 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 to change the shape of a diamond, you need a lot of energy. So they are super hard. They are enduring. And that's what diamond values need to be for me. Um, when, you, when you take a look at corporate um, websites and you see those values that are there, they most of the time sound very much the same. And okay. um, some companies actually change them on an ongoing basis. There's a new one coming in, which is totally fine because we all grow and evolve. Yep, yep. But often people fail to understand that a value is not changing like fashion. A value is something that is enduring, something it's true to your heart and something, um, I think it was Patrick Lencioni who once said, he doesn't use the term diamond value, he uses a different term, but he basically says, if I translate it into my world, diamond values are the ones that guide your actions to okay. a point and you would defend them to a point so that you were so that you are willing to be punished for them so that people <laughs> walk away from you or clients even walk away from you because you stand true through those values and that's what a diamond value really is yeah that's real life stuff right there yes yes and I just want to highlight for a moment, you have a gift of leading people as well as developing strategies. Your clients have included industry leaders in healthcare, finance, tech, engineering, retail, as well as high growth, late stage startups, not for profits, ENGOs, as well as public organizations. And so I think that there's a piece that you, you must understand very well between strategy and mindset, that, that in order to get to strategy, you first have to tap into their mindset and connect with them, because if they're not yeah, connected up here, there's no way that they're going to execute it. Would you want to speak on that at all? Absolutely. Yeah, mindset is the absolute key. If you get your head around strategy, just imagine you, you gather your leadership team and you realize you don't like person A, person B hates your guts and... <laughs> All the dynamic in the room is just not right. Person C is actually already kind of out the door because they want to um, leave the company. And, and, and you know what? You take a look at that and you'd be like, yeah, that is a completely dysfunctional team. How would they ever work on the future, on, a, on an aligned future? That's what strategy is. Strategy is your aligned plan to okay. reach an aligned state in the future. So first of all, we need to talk about bringing those people together helping them develop a growth mindset, detaching from their operational roles. Just because you're the COO now doesn't mean you, you will be the COO after the strategy. An organization's structure and processes need to change to support a new strategy. And right. why do I say that? Every new strategy brings change. Otherwise, it's not worth the paper it's written on. If you want to just do whatever you've been doing so far and now you do it really well, that's called operational excellence. That's right. not strategy. Okay. So if you, if you want to set out to create a great strategy, that means you need to be able to move into a growth mindset, into a different mindset than okay. you are in for your day-to-day -day work. You need to be able to be a bit futuristic, think about the future, really use 
foresight and knowledge and insight into, into the market, into your clients, in order to create something that has magic to it. If there's no magic, nothing that makes your hair stand up on your arms when you read that strategy, it's not a strategy. Yeah, yeah. So it's really about that mindset and un uncoupling your person, your personality from your role and work toward the best possible future you can imagine. Beautiful. So I'm going to put you on the spot again. <laughs> what would you say your personal legacy is uh, one, five years from now, one or five years from now? I actually take a look at, at legacy from a very, very long-term perspective. So okay. the legacy I'm building towards is manifold. Um, when it comes to my son, for example, and my family, I really want to, I, I want to be known as a loving father, father that is raising the kids, not, not my own kid, but also the kids of, of family members around me completely free of any violence, physical violence, mm. Um, as well as verbal violence. So it's something I struggle with sometimes, not with a physical piece, but I mean, p kids listen when you talk to other grownups. So that even if you don't talk to them directly, they would get the vibe of what you say. So it's really about helping myself also to develop and, and, and become better and better um, with the language that I use, with um, how, I, how I show up as a grownup and help people, kids especially, have a role model around. So that is one piece of the legacy I want to have. I want to break the cycle of violence in, in society. And when it comes to can anything about my business. Can I just interrupt yeah, you for, for a moment? I think that that's wonderful because, um, you know, our energy by itself can uplift somebody. Like when they say, if you walk into a room and everyone's laughing, you want to laugh. Or if you walk into a room and everyone is angry, you're angry. But I think also words are so important. So even yes. if you don't mean physical violence, words alone, can manifest into reality. Words can bless, words can curse. And sometimes uh, we don't even realize how we do it to ourselves or to our loved ones. So. Words become reality. Your thoughts become your words. Your, your words become your actions. It's yeah. just how it is. Yeah. And you see this every day around us. So when it comes to my business, I want legacy to be, my legacy to be um, that people remember me as a facilitator for their personal development and their personal growth, whatever okay. that means. And I want to I make a difference in the sense that I help people approach their business in a, in a more holistic way, in a more okay. sustainable way, that they balance purpose and profit, that they balance their impact and the money that they make, um, and that they don't go for the most shiny object because it's shiny, but because it's the right thing to do. Yeah. Yeah. So they're motivated by more than just greed. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully. Yes. And I, I so I just want to acknowledge you for a moment, um, not only for the personal legacy that you want to um, create today and leave behind, but also that you are putting yourself out there that you are a resource. So if somebody would like to scale their business or have a great coach or consultant, that you are there to help them so they're not alone. Because I think a lot of the times people have great ideas, but they don't know, like you had mentioned, how do, how do they take it from A to Z where they don't, they don't get stopped or blocked yeah. or slowed down or hindered by the many setbacks that they will be tested by. And the tests are real and they're uncomfortable. And, and you mentioned uh, the golden cage before. Do they, do they risk it, even if it's a calculated risk? Because there's always going to be blind spots. And as you know, you could move forward in life and it could be 
exponentially better or it could be exponentially worse. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a lot easier totally, to, totally. to rebuild at 20 than it might be at 40 or 60. And so, you know, what you're asking of people when, when you're asking them to grow, it's a, it's a huge leap of faith, but you're also telling them that they are not alone. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and I, I really mean it. They are not alone. So in, in addition to all the free resources that I have on my website, um, you can actually just go to my website and book a free call with me, no strings attached. If you work yourself through the toolkit, for example, and you hit a point somewhere where like, I really don't know what to do with that. It's a great question, but I'm blanking. Hop yes. on a free call with me. I'm there to help. Um, no strings attached. Wonderful. Beautiful. Okay. So in closing, is there anything else that you would like to share um, that might be useful to the, the viewer or listener or something that just might be close to, to your heart regarding who you are? Because I think we've gotten a great sense of who, who Alex is as a human being, as well as who he is as a <laughs> professional. I mean, the only thing I can think of right now is I'm super passionate about um, helping people cure um, diseases that are terminal today, okay. especially when it comes to childhood cancer. Um, a friend of mine um, three years ago lost his daughter at a very young age to childhood brain cancer. And if you really want to make a difference and want to help people fight cancer, just Google DIPG fighter and make a donation for okay. research. That would really help. Thank you very much. Wonderful. Wonderful. So definitely to end the suffering. Yes. Okay. Well, thank you, Alex, so much for this collaborative conversation. I very much appreciate it. And I appreciate the knowledge that you're bringing forth. I look forward to reading your book when it is published. And I will definitely check out your website some more regarding those uh, complimentary resources. And, um, and again, what is the best way for somebody to reach you? Just go to my website, alexthestrategist.com. Um, it's all right there. Just the toolkit. You find it immediately on the landing page on the homepage. Just download it and have some fun building the future that you want. Wonderful. All right. And on that note, thank Thanks. you so much. Thank you so much for, for joining and uh, please like and subscribe and share with your friends and family. And to Alex, thank you so much again for your time and thought leadership. Thank you, Angelina.